And what's going on guys, Alex here, and today since I am a little bit sick, I decided that that's perfect timing to record a podcast episode about gym, about gym performance and what I have learned since I have began going to the gym pretty irregularly, so essentially evidence-based guide from my personal experience and from some signs. Here we go. The fitness industry is rife with misinformation and myths, and that goes from fat diets to miracle supplements, and there are countless products and practices that really promise you quick and easy results without any scientific evidence to support them. And this can be really confusing and frustrating for people who are trying to improve their health and their fitness, and uh, as uh, it can be really difficult to separate facts from fiction. And moreover, the thing is that misinformation and myths can be really dangerous, as they can lead to ineffective or even harmful practices. And for these reasons, it's really important to rely on evidence-based practices and to seek out reputable sources of uh, information, uh, so essentially pretty good medical journals, pretty good uh, sport-dedicated journals, when it comes to fitness and nutrition. So relying on evidence-based practices for achieving fitness goals is uh, very important for several reasons. So first of all, it would be that the evidence-based practices are baked by scientific research and uh, are therefore more likely to be effective and safe than the practices that are based on uh, anecdotal evidence or myths. And this means that individuals who follow evidence-based practices are most likely to see results and less likely to experience injury or negative side effects. That of course doesn't mean that injury will never happen, it can be that injury will happen if we are talking about some of the exercises which are pretty high risk. But still, if done correctly, if done how it is described by uh, popular scientific forces, then everything would be fine. But the second thing is that uh, evidence-based practices are often more efficient and more cost-effective than other approaches. Rather than wasting time and money on ineffective and uh, unsafe practices, uh, you can focus on strategies uh, that uh, have been shown to work in scientific studies and who have been shown to work for other people. And last but not least, that would be relying on evidence-based practices. Uh, what is important? It is important that it can help you to set realistic expectations and goals for your fitness journey. And by understanding that, it's uh, truly achievable through fitness and nutrition, you can avoid unrealistic and unhealthy goals that may lead to disappointment or even harm. So, doing it shortly, it would be that relying on, ev on evidence-based practices is critical for achieving sustainable, safe and uh, effective fitness goals. So essentially, if we're talking about one of the most popular parts of the sport of the gym industry of this gain party, and that would be supplements, in that case I can tell you that the classical approach that uh, if it costs more it is better doesn't work right here. Because for example, one of the most popular pre-workout uh, mixes in the gym shop, which I um, attend pretty regularly, uh, costs uh, something around uh, 50 euros or 50 dollars uh, per 300 grams. But at the same time I can get beta-alanine, I can get creatine and I can get BCAA separately uh, in three separate boxes, approximately 300 milligrams each. I can get it for less than 50 dollars, it would be something around 30 or 40 euros. So essentially you need to know what you need, you need to know why you need it, and uh, the thing is that there are lots of uh, mythical ingredients that uh, are meant 
to help you, but in reality it does uh, in best case pretty much nothing, in worst case it can really, really harm you. So, and right now let's go to the first segment of the episode, and that would be strength training. So essentially strength training, uh, also known as resistance training, involves uh, using weight or resistance to build muscles and increase strength. So essentially that's pretty simple. And here are uh, some of the benefits of strength training for overall health and fitness. And first of all, that would be building muscle, because strength training obviously is one of the most effective ways to build muscle and maintain muscle mass, and which is important for overall health and fitness, and of course it looks pretty dope. Next thing is uh, increasing bone density, because some researchers show that uh, strength training can really help you to increase bone density, and which is pretty important for preventing uh, risks of fractures, uh, from preventing fractures, and from preventing such a disease as osteoporosis. The next thing is that uh, strength training tends to boost metabolism, and uh, it increases muscle mass, and uh, in uh, return, it also increases metabolism. So this means that individuals who strength train burn more calories through the day and even when they are not exercising. So that's pretty dope and that's pretty beneficial. The next thing is that it improves the physical function uh, because strength training can improve physical function by increasing strength, like power, like endurance. And this can really help you to perform during your daily activities more easily and with the less risk of injury. And last but not least, which is very crucial for me, and that enhances mental health. Because strength training has been shown to improve mood, reduce anxiety, depression, enhance cognitive function, and it's likely due to release of endorphins and other hormones like dopamine, like serotonin, like noradrenaline, during the exercise. So talking overall, strength training is a key component of a healthy, of a active lifestyle, and it offers numerous benefits for overall health and fitness, including increased muscle mass, bone density, metabolism, physical function, mental health, and so on. But of course, it's very important to know your own limits, because otherwise, all of these benefits can simply go down because of uh, increased risk of injury if you're doing something incorrect like at all, and of course, if you are training too often or not too often. So now we pretty much know that strength training is a very good beneficial thing for your life. But uh, what are really techniques for maximizing like strength gains um, and uh, how to do it? So essentially there are several evidence-based strategies for maximizing strength gains and uh, in strength training. First thing would be progressive overload. So this refers to gradually increasing the resistance or weight lifted over time. So it forces the muscles to adapt and grow stronger leading to increased strength gains. It's important to gradually increase the weight and avoid sudden jumps to prevent injury, but it's essentially how it is. So the next thing is compound exercises, and compound exercises uh, involve working multiple muscle groups at once, such as squats, deadlifts, um, or bench press. So the thing is that these exercises uh, are more effective for building overall strength compared to isolation exercises that only work for one muscle group at a time. Next thing is uh, proper form, and that means that using proper form during strength training is critical for preventing injury and maximizing gains. And this includes maintaining proper alignment, it includes um, engaging the correct muscles and avoiding momentum or jerky movements. Next thing, which is also very important and which uh, people tend to forget about a lot, especially when they uh, became, become pretty fanatic about the gym and the sport uh, as it is, and that's rest and recovery. 
and the rift and recovery are essential for allowing the muscles to repair and grow stronger. And it's important to allow at least 48 hours of rest between strength training sessions for each muscle group. So essentially, you wouldn't like you wouldn't like, and muscles wouldn't like you to train, uh, let's say, uh, flexors, um, the same biceps muscles uh, of your arms for two days in a row. Next thing, last but not least, and that's variety. And varying exercises, sets, and repetitions can really help you to prevent plateaus and keep the muscles challenged. And uh, this can include changing exercises, using different weights, or using different resistance, or changing the number of sets and uh, reps, and so on. So essentially, what you need to understand about strength training is that the thing which you need to do, you need to do as much exercises as possible for as different muscle groups as possible, and of course not forget about rest and recovery. So that's pretty good with theory, but what about practice? So right now I'm gonna tell you one of the examples, one of the basic structures for strength program. First thing, that would be warm-up, and um, this, this part should include 5 to 10 minutes of light cardio or dynamic stretching to prepare the muscles and joints for the workout. In my case, I try, not always, but uh, I try to have 5 to 10 minutes uh, walking inclined, so approximately 15 degrees, so as, uh, as inclined as I can, and walking uh, of a speed of something around 7 or 8 kilometers per hour. So the speed enough for you to walk pretty intensively, but not to run at the same time. The next thing is compound exercises, and these um, exercises work multiple muscle groups and uh, should be the main focus of your workout. And um, as I said before, this could include squats, this could include deadlifts, bench dresses, uh, rows, and so on. The next thing is um, isolation exercises, and these exercises target specific muscle groups and can be incorporated after the compound exercises. And for, for, for example, that would be uh, bicep curls, that, that could be tricep extensions, it, that could be calf rises. So essentially, at first, what you're doing, you're doing an uh, exercises for a widened group uh, of muscles, and then you go to isolation, so only flexors, only extensors, only adductors, and so on. So, next thing is cardiovascular exercises, and, uh, and this can be incorporated after the strength training portion of the workout, to improve cardiovascular health and uh, aid in recovery, but here the thing is that nobody, almost nobody, likes cardiovascular exercises. And that's why I see it um, as a very hard thing to uh, implement into my uh, workout routine, and that's why I have one separated dedicated day to cardiovascular exercise when I spend uh, an hour maybe even an hour and a half doing only cardio, because it's much easier for me to do it once per week than to do it in short sessions every single day when I visit the gym, because in that case I will find myself uh, trying to ignore it, uh, trying to ignore the visit to the gym at all, and, uh, and uh, as a result uh, I will see simply much lesser progress. So th this thing works for me, if it works for you that's very good. And last but not least, that um, should be cooldown period, and this could include 5 to 10 minutes of light cardio as well, of stretching, to help the body recover and reduce the risk of injury. And if we're talking about cooldown, I find that stretching helps pretty good, especially if we're talking about pretty intensive uh, workouts. So, for example, one of my uh, workout days include uh, uh, leg training, so leg day also not one of the favorite 
for a lot of people, but still, uh, it, with it, it, it's much easier when comparing to the cardio. But still, the thing is that uh, when uh, uh, when the legs are pretty much poked up uh, after the training, it really helps to stretch to prevent uh, to prevent pretty uncomfortable pain, to prevent uh, uh, different types of spasms and so on. So now, right now, going to the subject which uh, is not the favorite one, as I said before, and that's cardiovascular training. So essentially, cardiovascular exercises, also known as aerobic exercise, involves any type of activity that raises the heart rate and increases oxygen consumption in the body. So, in simple words, that would be that it would be exercises during which your heart is beating much, much more often than usual, and due to that, you are breathing much more often than usual. So this type of exercises has numerous benefits for heart health, for endurance, and that would be including like improved heart health, because cardiovascular exercises strengthens the heart muscle, it improves its ability to pump blood throughout the body. It also can help you to reduce the risk of heart diseases, to reduce the risk of strokes, and also it can have uh, pretty good impact high blood pressure. Next thing, uh, which is uh, important if we're talking about the gym results, and that would be increased endurance, because the cardiovascular exercises improves the body ability to use oxygen, which increases endurance, which, which increases stamina, and this also can help you to perform during your daily activities with less fatigue and with the improved athletic performance. Next thing, which is also pretty logical, and that's weight management, because uh, due to cardiovascular exercises, you are burning more calories, simply because uh, for your heart to beat more often, for your lungs to breathe more often, for that is uh, meant to, your, your organ is meant to use much more energy. And so, comparing to a, to a usual part, you are uh, using, uh, let's say, uh, 1000 calories uh, per, two, per 12 hours. But if you would be running for these 12 hours, I know it's pretty pretty impossible, so it's much, it would be much longer than marathon. But still, if you would be running for uh, for this period of time, in most cases, that uh, that thousand uh, of calories, uh, of course, depending on your weight, uh, on your stamina, on where you're running, how you're running, and so on, and weather, uh, that thousand calories would be uh, consumed by your body in approximately an hour and a half, two hours. And of course, that, that depending on the weather and so on and so on, so a lot of different factors. Next point is reduced stress and anxiety, because cardiovascular exercises um, can have pretty positive impact on uh, mental health by reducing stress and anxiety, and due to release of endorphins, due to re release of dopamines and so on, which tend to boost your mood pretty, pretty good. And last but not least, and that's improved sleep, and if we're talking about uh, mental disorders, and that's uh, improved sleep and uh, normal sleep schedule is very crucial. And um, it uh, tells you that regular cardiovascular exercises have been shown to improve sleep quality and reduce the risk of insomnia. So if we're talking about cardiovascular exercises, um, the American Heart Association recommends at least 150 minutes of moderate intensity aerobic exercises or 75 minutes of um, vigorous intensity aerobic exercises per week for optimal heart health and endurance benefits. But of course, in uh, this case, if we are talking about uh, more minutes uh, of uh, aerobic exercises, that would be only better. But of course, 
you know you should know your limits and um, it shouldn't be that uh, you are as i said before running for 12 hours straight during one day because um, that would uh, uh, kill any will of running in your life ever again and the next subject which i'd like to talk to you about and that would be evidence-based strategies if we're talking about uh, cardiovascular fitness uh, such as high intensity interval training or HITS and uh, steady state cardio. So there are several evidence-based strategies that you can pretty much use to, maxi to maximize your cardiovascular fitness. And two most popular approaches are high intensity interval trainings or HITS and uh, steady state cardio. So if you're talking about HITS, it involves uh, alternating between periods of high intensity exercise and recovery periods of low intensity exercise. And this type of training has been shown to improve cardiovascular fitness more effectively than uh, the steady-state cardio in a shorter amount of time. So the study, for example, study published by the Journal of Strength and Con uh, Conditioning Research found, has found that two weeks of HIIT trainings improved participants' cardiovascular fitness by 6-8%, to while steady-state cardio didn't have the same effect at all. So, talking about steady-state cardio, the steady-state cardio involves performing aerobic exercises at a consistent, moderate intensity for an extended period of time. And this type of training has been shown to improve cardiovascular fitness as well, to improve endurance, and is a pretty good option for individuals who may not be able to handle the high intensity of heat trainings. And according to a study published in the Journal of Sports Medicine and Physical Fitness, steady-state cardio has found to be pretty effective in improving cardiovascular fitness in sedentary individuals. And uh, other evidence-based strategies for maximizing uh, cardiovascular fitness may include such things as interval training similar to HIIT, uh, for example interval training, which involves um, alternating between periods of high intensity, exercise and recovery periods, however the intensity and duration of each interval can be customized to fit your personal fitness levels and goals. Next thing which also can be used is uh, circuit trainings. Uh, the circuit trainings uh, involve performing a series of exercises in a specific order uh, with the minimal rest in between each exercise. And this type of training can improve your cardiovascular fitness um, as well, while also building strength and endurance, which is uh, pretty beneficial. And the next thing is uh, cross trainings. And cross trainings involve incorporating a variety of different exercises into a fitness routine. To prevent boredom and challenge the body in the new ways and this can include activities such as swimming cycling uh, group fitness classes or such uh, pretty fun things as rest ones for example so uh, overall incorporating a mix of high intensity and steady state uh, cardio into your fitness routine as well as incorporating other evidence-based strategies such as interval training circuit training uh, cross training can pretty much help you maximize your cardiovascular fitness to lead to improved into improved health and fitness outcomes. So if we're talking about my personal experience with such cardio exercises, I try to go swimming uh, at least once uh, per week uh, because uh, I suppose that that's pretty good first of all for your um, for your muscles because um, during swimming uh, there are almost every single muscle, uh, every single major muscle in the body is working. Uh, also it is pretty good cardio because when I first started uh, swimming I couldn't swim uh, totally more than 12 or 13 minutes and because after that I have found that uh, I am like uh, I cannot do a single uh, a single step 
uh, in the water. Uh, so that was pretty much it. And right now my result is uh, something around 20 minutes per one fashion. So that's pretty good. That's pretty good uh, combination. And of course, it also can be combined with the classical cardio day. So essentially one day dedicated absolutely for cardiovascular exercises. And uh, that works pretty good for me right now. So essentially what my week incorporates, that would be strength training, that would be one cardio day and also one day for swimming, which at the same time can be incorporated into the standard cardio day, depending of course on my schedule. So the question which can arise after this segment is how to improve cardiovascular performance. And obviously improving cardiovascular performance involves the combination of cardiovascular exercises, proper nutrition and lifestyle modifications. And uh, right now, so here will be some evidence-based strategies for improving cardiovascular performance. And first of it, we'll be engaging into cardiovascular exercises. So obviously, and that's the most effective way to improve cardiovascular performing uh, performance is uh, to engage in regular cardiovascular exercises. And this can include activities such as running, cycling, swimming, uh, and so on. And as I said before, American Heart Association recommends at least 150 minutes of moderate intensity aerobic exercise or 75 minutes of vigorous intensity aerobic exercises per week. Next thing, which you can understand from the previous uh, point, and that's incorporate um, HIIT or high intensity interval trainings. And uh, HIIT has been shown to be pretty effective uh, to improve cardiovascular performance in a really short amount of time. So if you can uh, outstand the HIIT training, then uh, HIIT training is a pretty good thing to improve cardiovascular performance. In my case, HIIT are uh, for now too intensive for me, uh, but uh, I suppose that as soon as I will feel comfortable during HIIT training, I will uh, incorporate it into my daily routine. Next thing is uh, maintaining a healthy diet, because proper nutrition is uh, pretty important for improving cardiovascular performance, because uh, if we're talking about uh, lipids or fats, uh, the fats can be left on the, on the walls uh, of uh, your arteries, of your veins, and the thing is that uh, they can tend, uh, they tend to grow, and, uh, and these uh, things they tend to obstruct uh, some of the blood vessels. So essentially that's not pretty good, and that's uh, if we're talking about some type of lipids, or of trans fats and so on. And uh, of course, if we're talking about healthy diet, it, uh, it needs to include uh, fruits, vegetables, whole grains, like clean protein, healthy fats, and uh, by healthy fats I don't mean like uh, go eat McDonald's from time to time, it means to have uh, uh, useful fats, for example, like fish oil, omega-3, omega-6, omega-9, and so on. And uh, other stuff which can, uh, which is full with nutrients, which is full with energy, which needed to support the cardiovascular exercise and improve performance. Next thing, which uh, is uh, not so obvious, and that's getting enough sleep, because getting enough sleep is pretty important for overall health, and also it can improve cardiovascular performance, because sleep helps your body to repair and recover, and which can lead to improve the exercise performance. And the next two things, which are also not so obvious, and that's managing stress and staying hydrated, because staying hydrated is pretty important for overall health, as you all know, and it's pretty important for cardiovascular performance, but here the main idea is not to drink too much water, 
So when you're feeling thirsty, then uh, is, then that's the best time to drink. And if we're talking about managing stress, because the thing is that stress can have pretty negative impact on cardiovascular performance. Because, and that's why the stress reducing techniques such as meditation, yoga, deep breathing, journaling, and so on, they can really help you manage stress and at the same time improve cardiovascular performance. And right now let's talk about uh, the subject which is very often left outside um, if we're talking about gym, and that's recovery and nutrition. So, the thing is that uh, recovery and nutrition are very crucial for optimizing gym performance and the most important, the results. And the thing is that uh, recovery is essential for allowing our body to repair, to rebuild after a workout, and proper recovery can reduce the risk of injury and improve performance and allow for more frequent and intense workouts. And uh, some of the evidence-based recovery strategies include uh, rest days, so it would be giving your body time to rest and recover between workouts, uh, sleep, because as I said before, getting enough sleep is important for overall health and recovery and cardiovascular health as well, because during sleep uh, our tissues are repaired, uh, are repaired and rebuilt. And uh, active recovery, if we're talking about active recovery, that would be light exercises, such as walking, such as yoga because they can promote blood flow and reduce soreness after a workout. Next thing, which also is very often forgotten, that's foam rolling and stretching. So from time to time to do some stretching, that can be really beneficial, because um, stretching can improve uh, your flexibility, it can reduce muscle tension, and also it can improve performance and reduce the risk of injury. And right now, if we're talking about nutrition, it's the whole separate subject. It's the whole subject for different types of medic, different types of nutritionists, gastroenterologists, and so on. But if we, we are making long story short, and that would be that proper nutrition is essential for fueling workouts and promoting recovery, and that would be eating balanced diet, which includes both carbohydrates and proteins and healthy fats, and uh, this whole thing can provide you energy, it can provide your nutrients need for your support to the, during your, your uh, days, during your workout. And uh, some of evidence-based nutrition strategies actually include uh, carbohydrates, so consuming carbohydrates before a workout can provide the energy needed to power you through the workout. And uh, consuming carbohydrates after the workout can also uh, help you to replenish glycogen storages and promote recovery. If we're talking about uh, the most uh, pleasant thing, that's protein, uh, consuming protein after workout can help you to repair and rebuild muscle tissue, which is essential for muscle growth and recovery, and in that case, if we're talking about types of proteins, it uh, doesn't matter pretty much uh, what type of protein we are consuming, so uh, whether it would be animal-based or plant-based, the only difference is on how it uh, is absorbed, so it is absorbed approximately at the same uh, level, it was, as far as I know, it was something around 70 or, or 80%, but the main idea is that if we're talking about uh, animal-based protein, it is uh, uh, absorbed much faster, and then the line goes into plateau, but if we're talking about uh, plant-based protein, in that case, uh, the protein is being absorbed a little bit slower at first, and then, the, uh, then it still goes to plateau and is absorbed for a longer period of time. And uh, next thing, which of course is uh, important, as I said before, that would be hydration, because uh, it's uh, very important for your existence, it's important for your overall health, for your gym performance, and uh, it uh, 
most often if forgotten and, uh, and why it's important because it's important for regulating your body temperature uh, it improves energy levels it promotes recovery and also you don't feel uh, uh, so awful uh, because remember the last thing when you were really thirsty that's uh, not the best experience in the world and right now going from theory to practice uh, practices which can really help you to achieve your fitness goals First thing, that would be macronutrient ratios, um, because consuming the right balance of macronutrients, including carbohydrates, proteins and fats, can really help your gym performance, because carbohydrates provide energy for workouts, while protein helps repair and build muscle tissue, and optimal macronutrient ratio for the gym performance can vary depending on your individual goals, so essentially if you are trying to bulk up, then uh, increased protein amount uh, in your diet would be pretty obviously, pretty obvious, um, and of course, uh, it depending on your body composition, on your activity level, and uh, in general, athletes may benefit from uh, a higher carbohydrate intake, while uh, people who are looking to build muscle, as I said before, they can really benefit from higher protein intake. Next thing, that would be nutrient timing, and the timing of meals and snacks can uh, also pretty much impact the gym performance, because consuming carbohydrates and protein before and after the workout can help you fuel workouts and promote recovery. Pre-workout meals should be consumed like one to three hours before a workout and should uh, include carbohydrates and uh, some amount of protein. And post-workout meals should be consumed within 30 minutes to an hour after workout and should include carbohydrates and protein as well, but in that case protein should be in a little bit more concentration. And, uh, of course, the favorite uh, thing of uh, different YouTube ads, if you don't have YouTube Premium, and that's supplementation. And the supplementation, and there are several supplements that can be really helpful for supporting gym performance. And that would be creatine, be it uh, for energy, caffeine for energy as well, beta-alanine, because uh, it's pretty funny to use. Uh, offer energy as well, uh, and uh, right now the diet will be deep, uh, as I said before, creatine has been shown to improve um, strength and muscle mass, with uh, caffeine it can improve um, endurance and reduce uh, uh, perceived exertion, and if we're talking about beta-alanine it can improve endurance uh, and delay fatigue during high-intensity exercise. And, however, of course, it's important to know that uh, while supplementation can, can be really helpful for some individuals, it's not a replacement for a healthy diet. And additionally, people, some people should speak to their healthcare professionals because uh, starting uh, some new supplements can uh, put their body at some known risk. So, essentially summarizing all of the topics uh, which I have spoken before. So, if you want to bulk up, protein is for you. If you want to lose weight, then cardio, that's your choice. If you want to improve your overall strength and performance, then high-intensity trainings and strength trainings combined would make something miraculous. But of course, do not forget uh, about recovery and do not forget about some of the muscles which are made in the kitchen. So, essentially, nutrition is very crucial, is very important. And some of the supplements such as creating beta-alanine and uh, in some cases also a very tremendous amount of caffeine can uh, improve your workout it can make it a little more fun it can uh, make you showing better results but still if you want to research a little bit more because uh, the podcast topic is uh, podcast episode is not the best type of uh, information providing 
So then, uh, such resources, which can be, uh, which will be, always, uh, of course, shown in the description, that would be national strength and um, conditioning association, and CCA, and um, that's a professional organization dedicated to advancing the strength and conditioning profession. So they offer educational resources, certification programs, research publications related to strength and conditioning, and so on. Next thing would be American College for of Sports and Medicine, so ACSM. That's a professional organization as well, dedicated to promoting and uh, integrating scientific research, education, and uh, practical applications of sport medicine and exercise science. They offer educational resources, certification programs, and research publications related to exercise science. PubMed, that's a very impressive database of scientific research articles maintained by the National Institute of Health. Examine.com, that's an independent organization that provides unbiased information on supplements and nutrition. And they offer in-depth re in reviews of scientific researches on uh, various supplements and uh, nutrition topics. And last but not least, uh, that would be strength and conditioning research. And um, that's a website dedicated to providing evidence-based information on strength trainings, on uh, conditioning, on nutrition. And they offer articles, reviews and research summaries on various topics related to fitness and exercise science. So essentially, in short terms, that would be it for me. Thank you for joining, stay safe, and uh, see you next time. And I want to go to the gym very, very much.